Welcome to the Face Life Sisters Rahab edition, Women of the Bible. We'll be digging into Rahab. We talked a little bit yesterday about um, kind of what's going on culturally and what is um, kind of the background of what we're going to walk into. So uh, we have some, and today we're going to talk about, or we're going to read Joshua 2 verses 1 through 11, and we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some preconceived notions. I guess is one thing that you can say is going to be one of the things that we'll talk about. Um, But it makes me wonder um, how somebody would describe you. If you can come up with some idea of how somebody would describe you and then how you would want people to describe you. Like if those two descriptions line up. Mm. Anybody have any thoughts about that? I know. I mean, I know it can be kind of serious, but I'm talking like, when I was a kid, um, I was taller than everybody. I have grown not more than an inch since I was 12 years old, literally. Um, so I was taller than everybody, and I had this gigantic vocabulary, and um, I had good posture, and I had good manners. And um, so people always thought that I was like super rich and stuck up before <laughs> they met me. And we were not super rich and I really was not stuck up, (laughs) but I had a large vocabulary and I had good posture. And um, so anyway, it is interesting though, the ideas that people get, Um, I was pretty quiet and very studious. You know, my family was a very serious family. Mm -hmm. We were not jokesters or, um, or funny or lighthearted. We were very serious. So I was most intellectual in my freshman class <laughs> all my friends in the school voted me that well as time went by you know I'm blonde and nobody's ever thought me most intellectual <laughs> since that time <laughs> but it's funny to me that that was because I was kind of quiet and reserved and more serious that was the that was the way they saw me that meant I must be smart um maybe probably because I just kept my mouth shut. And if I'd opened it a little bit more, they would have realized maybe not so. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's biblical. It says it, you know, uh, they will think you are wise. If you don't have a few much. words. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know how people would really describe me right now, but um, this might give some indication of, what others might think is that in my senior year, I got voted most mischievous. Oh, so, um, <laughs> wow. And is that, <laughs> well, did it work? Did it apply at that point? Yeah. You know, Maybe I'm, a bit? I'm, I would like to get into a little of mischief, nothing yeah. dangerous or really bad, but I could, I like to have fun. And our family were, we were jokesters. We yeah. would scare each other. My dad, one of his favorite things was um, to come up behind you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and pretty loudly say, BEP! 
<laughs> so then you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you it's like that new commercial, I think, for WeatherTech that's on. The kids are in the backseat eating their candy, and the dad ah, scares them, and they candy flies everywhere in the car. Yeah. Mm, that's so. funny. Kids have an important place in our lives, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know that I really notice how much how people see me, Um, but I what I know is that I used to think I was really athletic (laughs) (laughs) until I ran into like my husband's. He's an athlete. Is like, oh, that's like it means like like running a lot. (laughs) It means like I would think about being like a gymnast in the Olympics, (laughs) although I was way too tall, and I. I could do cartwheels and things like that. I almost broke my neck trying to be a gymnast, <laughs> but oh it's like goodness. in the grass. I had no training at all, you know, like that. And so I always used to think I was athletic until I ran into athletes. <laughs> and I live in a family of athletes. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they observer. can't knit, can they? Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about what people's ideas um, and how they present themselves and uh, sometimes how those things don't always line up. So Terry, do you want to read Joshua for us? Yep. Uh, Chapter two, verses one through 11. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up to them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up excuse me, on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Hmm. Wow. So, what do we know? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we, know, we know that Rahab was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, it's interesting after the question, what did people think of you? We can have a pretty good idea of what people thought about Rahab. Yep. I'm sure that prostitutes were not real high in the social order, even in that time. Um, so she turns out to be a very faithful and honorable um, woman, no matter what her occupation is. And that, that just kind of speaks like in general, I think... Um, I don't know. I was just looking at this 
historically or something, I don't know many women that want to become prostitutes. Yeah. Often they're forced into it or um, there's just somebody pressuring them into it. And I think as a society, we have just really um, looked down on the woman. But yeah. part of that is the man is responsible for his choices and what he's, he's choosing to do. Um, I just don't, my personally, I just have so much compassion for people who are in that position. And I have a lot of compassion for Rahab here. This must have been a really difficult society to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So. Well, there's a lot of um, discussion about, you know, she was not a temple prostitute. Right. Um, so, you know, had she been married? Did her husband die? She's certainly got her family living with her, her mother and her father and her brothers and their kids and um, she seems to be the kind of person who's sort of taking care of everybody, um, which I found that to be pretty interesting, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, how she ended up being a prostitute, you know, we don't really know, um, but it could have been something as simple as the fact that her husband died and then she was left with the, the responsibility of taking care of everybody. And that was the only option available to her. Yeah. So uh, go I'm ahead, Terry. I read um, a book that suggested that um, maybe her husband forced her into it. Mm-hmm. And that was not unusual for mm-hmm. that to have happened, okay. sadly. <clears throat> and that, that could be one, one thing. But I agree with you. I don't think she willingly just, you know, just opened chose that. her eyes one morning. I think I'll become, you know. Mm-mm. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, if I ever hear someone saying that who's been in the a sex worker is what we would refer to it today. Mm-hmm. And they go, Oh, I love this. A whole part of me goes, Nope, there's something, there's something missing in that. And yeah, I, I have yet to meet someone who's really, I've, I've met people who've said it's great, but I don't believe it. So I think we need to be careful that we don't put our culture onto mm-hmm. what is happening that here culture. because we have to remember that the Canaanites, which is part of what Jericho was part of, was mm-hmm. they were Canaanites. Culturally, they did all kinds of things, and were ex- they were acceptable, and they were happy to be doing these things, and um, that it was just run of the mill. So maybe it was no big deal that she was a prostitute. Yeah, she or that she was, ran a house of prostitution. So she was well, we have to remember she was well known enough that the king goes to her right from the beginning. I mean, in verse two, the king is told, and so they go right to Rahab, right? In verse three, they go straight to Rahab and say, hey, where are these people? So they know where she is. They're not having to hunt for her. Mm -hmm. She has a home that is part of the city wall. Mm -hmm. She um, is providing for her family. Whether even if she's not necessarily providing for her family, she is. Um, she says, which we'll talk about more tomorrow. But she says um, that she wants protection for all who belong to her, mm-hmm. which to me says that she has servants as well, um, because those are people who would quote unquote belong to you um, that you're asking for protection for. So, whatever the reasoning is, she's well known and. When the king comes to her and says, well, what about this? She just says, no, they're not here. And they believe her and move on. 
So she has some sort of standing. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I read it. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that her family actually lived with her. Oh, you don't think? I, think this I didn't think so either. Like, directly have have them in your house when we come. Mm -hmm. So at that point, she had collected everybody. Right. But I don't know that they actually live there. Maybe not, but she yeah. does have people that she takes care of because she said all who, she says all who belong to me. Mm -hmm. um, so there is somebody True. there that she's responsible for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which if you're just you know turning tricks as a common prostitute, um, you probably don't necessarily yeah. have that. Yeah. So. So it was interesting that the king was immediately new to go to her. Right. The spies were found out immediately. Yeah, they weren't very good spies. <laughs> when you think about it, it's like they come in through the gate. There they go to Rahab's house. Okay, let's go tell the king. <laughs> well, you know what? They're keepers at the gate. Mm -hmm. And if, they, if the um, Israelites looked a little different, maybe they, you know, with the locks or Earlocks. whatever, if, yeah. they, if they did that with the unshaven faces which i think would be common back then but um you know every culture kind of has their own look about them mm -hmm. and so they would have and yeah if they all had been um, talking about it obviously throughout the city of what they had done because they were all melting in fear mm -hmm. you would want to go tell the king immediately so that i don't think is a too far fetched to think that. Yeah, they were somebody recognized from the them. gate straight to the king's house. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. And then the fact that he goes straight to Rahab, so you know somebody knows who and where. Mm -hmm. um, and then he just asks her flat out, and she's like, "Nah." And so they go, "Okay, okay." Yeah. Well, I don't think the king went. It says he sent a message to Rahab. Mm hmm. So I don't think he went himself. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, though, yeah. The messengers came right there from the king. Mm -hmm. So she lies. She lies right. to the king. She does. That's, she puts herself in a really tough spot there if she gets found out. She not only lies, then she helps them go away. Yeah, she helps another direction. Escape. Yeah, yeah, she helps them escape to the east, go closer to the Jordan River. I'm sure that's where they went because that's where they're in camp. They're across the Jordan River, right? Yeah. Makes sense. Send them that way. Um, and then she's just really smart in how she's had them hidden mm -hmm. up on her roof. Yeah. Yeah, they must have trusted her at a certain level and they didn't look for things because I could have found people under flax. <laughs> I think right. so. You know? I don't think they even came in and searched. They just believed her and went on their way. Sent the right. messenger, yeah. Which just speaks to, well, either the laziness of the messenger or mm -hmm. it speaks to kind of her standing um, that she was came. someone that could be trusted at least, you know. But then again, like, why did she, what did she have to gain by lying? Well, yeah, you know? they, I'm sure they thought, why would she, why would she lie to us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But oh, um, Why? Why, Why would, would you lie? Oh, well, this, this is life or death. You're harboring the enemy. Yeah. Right. 
And she knew, she knew who the Israelites were. Mm-hmm. She's like, so we know um, that God has given you this land. How, right. like, how would she have known all that? Maybe talking to the spies? Well, I think no, word would have traveled. Right. She knew that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because their gates were all closed up. And they were being very secure. So they knew what the Israelites were doing. They knew that they were coming. I think, Terry, when you were reading, it's like, and we melted in fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the very end of this passage, she does say, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So she knows. This is very counterculture yeah. from mm-hmm. um, where she is. But she knows that God is the God with the big G. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the king would have had any inkling that that's how she felt, that that's what she believed. He would have assumed she was a loyal subject, so mm-hmm. she wouldn't do anything to help the Israelites. Um, right. I bet you he would have thought that. But at the same time, I, I guess you're right. All the people of Jericho, um, they, they mentioned two things, that the parting of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you dried up the Red Sea or the drying yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. that. That occurred 40 years before. Yeah. Then just recently, Cyan and Og were defeated, mm-hmm. completely defeated, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I guess they did know of them. And I, I suppose the king was saying, okay, big deal. We can handle it because we have walls. Mm-hmm. And they were probably assuming everyone in the city was feeling that. Except everyone was melting with fear. Right. And their courage, they had no courage. But they could have surrendered, and they did not. Everyone's courage failed. They didn't, you know, there was, as far as we know, there was no effort on the part of the um, Jericho citizens to surrender to the Israelites. Well, we talked about it earlier, I think, that um, Jericho is one of the most fortified cities It's because it's going to be the toughest one for them to take because it is so, yeah, you know, so strong. Doesn't that sound like us when we're up against a threat? Sometimes we'll depend on our defenses mm-hmm. way more than we depend on God. Yeah. I just got that picture like, hmm. Yeah, just that sometimes we'll turn to what we actually see in front of us, like this big wall, and we can go hide behind that wall. Or um, Yeah, let people think what they're thinking. Right. And, and we, when the truth is, all we have to do is turn towards God. This kind of goes back a little bit to the question you were talking about earlier, Suzanne. It's like, it's like okay, go ahead, think I'm stuck up. Think I'm rich. I don't care. I'll stay behind this wall and then I don't have to deal with it. I don't know that you were intentionally doing it, right? No, but I certainly, um, especially as, you know, like a young middle school girl, Mm -hmm. when you know that people kind of have those ideas about you, um, you don't know what to do with it. So I just kept standing up straight, but I did not continue to use my big words, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you kind of adapt those things, but there definitely is a, a defensive wall that goes up, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that the the people in Jericho, I mean, it was a double-walled city, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, while Rahab says, you know, we all melted in fear, everyone melted in fear, you know, that could have been just kind of a generalization on her part 
I think there were plenty of people who felt that they were safe behind those double walls. The king obviously thought that. Um, so, hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I think we we take refuge sometimes in our financial stability or mm-hmm. our um, political stability, or we take refuge in a lot of things. Um, our health, you know, well, I, I'm healthy. Um, and and not really with a, an eye to looking to God that he's the one who provides. He's the only one that provides stability. In the end, um, he's the only one that we can look to. We can't look to our own selves, our resources, or anything else. That we have to, you know, rest in him. And I may be going way all over the place, but I'm seeing just the, the city of Jericho kind of as us all having this all fortified. But there's this one little voice that starts telling the truth. God, you are greater than everybody. You, we know that you do miraculous things, right? That stands up. I, I When I look at this, it's like, um, wait, where was that quote? Um, just that there was, that, um, the, here's a Canaanite woman stating that she knew as a matter of fact that God had already given the land to Israel. Rahab had heard and believed. And I think even when we put up all our defenses and we start acting like we have it all figured out in the natural, there's this small voice inside of us that starts saying, but here's the truth. Here's my faith. Here's my walk of faith. This is what's true. This is what I know. And I think for me, that can help crumble my walls in, in a good way so that God can come in. Now, if I was a Canaanite, not sure that I would have that same position. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe not. Right. <laughs> it's like she ministered to the to the um, people of Israel. Yeah, Her absolutely. Faith. She did. Yeah. Yeah. She huh. lied for them. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to lie. Risked her life. That was an interesting question. You know, there are other incidences yeah. in the Bible where people lied. The midwives in Egypt lied to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet God blessed them for that, for that protection that they provided to um, all those children that were born under their hand. I think in choosing God, that's okay. Yeah. I was going to say, that's where the trickiness comes in. Like there may be something that's outlined that this is what you're supposed to do, but if it goes against the law of God, of God, then yeah. God's the one that holds the higher power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in Nazi Germany and... Certainly with Corey Ten Boom in the hiding place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Well, right. we know Rahab is hiding the spies and sending them on their way to be safe. So, oh, we don't know that yet. Sorry. We don't know that yet. We know that Rahab is hiding the spies. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That was just a jewel for the people who go to the end of a book and look at the <laughs> last few pages. <laughs> Sorry, by the way, this story is um, thousands of years old. So if I just spoiled it for you, I don't feel so bad. Yeah, don't feel too bad. bad. No, it's not a new story. No, not been just released. No, so I'll not, I'll not disparage over the fact that I gave a little spoiler. So um, does somebody want to close this out today? Sure, I will. Go ahead, Angie. (laughs) That's so funny. <laughs> that one we didn't, we should have planned that a little better. But yeah, anyway, it's okay. <laughs> Father, we come before you um, so very thankful that you love us and that you've given us your word, um, that you are the highest power, that you are the only true God. 
Um, and Father, we love the fact that you revealed yourself to Rahab in a terrible um, Canaanite city that was closed up against you. Um, but the Holy Spirit worked in her heart to reveal who you really are to her. And so, Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is still working today um, in everyone who hears about you to bring them closer to you because we know, Father, that it is your will that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, that Jesus came and gave himself for each one of us um, so that we could become a part of your family, that he shed his blood and died so that we could be redeemed um, out of all the sin and sickness and yuck of this world. So, Father, we thank you for the story of Rahab and um, the, the, the truth of how you can reach anyone, anywhere, at any time. Um, we know that you are a mighty God and a great God. And so, Lord, we worship you and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.